Well, let's pick up um, in the scripture where we left off last time, which is John 15, 7. John 15, 7. Did anybody, uh, before we read that, did anybody have any um, questions from last week? If you were here, or if you weren't here, if you weren't here, then um, questions from last week's study. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just make this comment, you know, um, faith is what moves God. Uh, when you act in faith, uh, God is really obligated to respond. So it's not so much that you're like telling him what to do, but he said, oh, you're believing what I said, and now the reality of it can manifest in your life. So you actually get into position uh, to receive what he already has uh, made available, what he's already accomplished. So if you're um, uh, ministering to people, like we said, Jesus was in his own hometown he couldn't do, uh, well, one, Mark actually said he couldn't do any miracles. He just laid his hands on a, a few people with minor sickness and minor disease. And, um, you know, that's all he was able to do because that's, he went, I think, from Capernaum to Nazareth where he was brought up. And they said, actually, uh, aren't you uh, Mary and Joseph's son? Uh, aren't, aren't, we know your sisters. Uh, we know your family. We know what you were doing. And it actually says then, uh, you know, that they were offended at him. Uh, before anything happened, I, I read it in the Passion Translation. It said, afterward, Jesus left Capernaum and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown, on the Sabbath. He went to teach in the synagogue. Everyone who heard his teaching was, this is real interesting, was overwhelmed with astonishment. This is in his hometown. They said among themselves, what incredible wisdom has been given to him? Where did he receive such profound insights? And what mighty miracles flow through his hands? Isn't this Mary's son, the carpenter, and the brother of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and Simeon? And don't we know his sisters? Don't they all live here in Nazareth? And they took offense at him. So when I, when I reread that, I found it real interesting. And of course, this is Passion's translation, Passion Translation, which is uh, you know, more of a paraphrase, but it's, it's still fairly accurate. I found it uh, amazing that they were astonished at the wisdom that he spoke with and they knew of the miracles that he did. But because, hey, how you doing? Uh, but because, no, but because of the familiarity with him, they were offended. And that offense stopped the power of God. That offense actually caused doubt. So it was the offense of familiarity. Uh, that they're like, well, we know who you are. We, we've known you since you were a kid. Like, how are you? You can't be doing these things. Well, we saw who you were. And um, Jesus said, verse 4, a prophet is treated uh, with honor everywhere except in his own hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house. 
He was unable to do any great miracle in Nazareth except to heal a few sick people by laying hands upon them. He was amazed at the depth of their unbelief. He was amazed at the depth of their unbelief. <laughs> May the Lord not ever say that of us, right? <laughs> I'm amazed at the depth of your unbelief. What? No. Then Jesus went, so here's what he did. Then Jesus went out into the different villages and taught the people. So um, faith really moves the hand of God, or maybe a better way to say it is faith connects with the power of God, or faith connects with the reality of redemption. Uh, your faith will connect with that. So uh, God himself uh, is not going to do something because it's his will. So if you go out and you, you want to pray for somebody, it is his, I'll tell you before you even go, it's his will that they be delivered. It's his will that they be healed. It's his will that they uh, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That is the will of God, uh, you know, but that's not going to happen without faith. So what you're looking for whenever you're ministering to people, I'm ministering to people, is I'm looking for what is the Holy Spirit telling me? Why? Because that's how God speaks to me. Now, Holy Spirit's not just going to speak to me without the Word, typically. Uh, sometimes you'll have, but normally what Jesus even said is the Holy Spirit, what He'll do is He'll bring to your remembrance whatever I have said to you. Remember that? And so he's going to remind you. So the more that you feed on the word, the more the Holy Spirit has to work with, right? He, he takes the things of Christ and makes them real to you. So you, Christ is the word. So when you feed yourself the word, he takes that and he makes it real to you. So just because, um, just because somebody has a sad situation, just because someone, you know, they're all crippled up or they're, they're mentally disabled or they just, you know, it's just a, uh, their, their mother and father were just killed in a car wreck and, you know, and they just found out they have cancer. Um, you know, that doesn't make a bit of difference in the world whether they would receive healing or not, except for the fact of the changes, the sudden changes in their life could open them up in their heart to look for God. So as soon as they hear, this is what God has said about your body. And about, you know, sickness, disease, about finance, about deliverance. If they will receive that word, in other words, the, the Bible says uh, the word didn't profit them because they didn't mix faith with it. So that word can be of no profit. And so um, when we act, we're acting based on the word. And somebody said, well, what about uh, gifts of the spirit? You know, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about, uh, King, my King James Bible says gifts of the Spirit, but if you look at the word gift, it's actually in italics, which means it was not in the original text. They just added it because they thought that'll help you, help you understand it, but maybe it helped us misunderstand it. And so actually, uh, literally it says, uh, Paul said, now uh, concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, I would not have you ignorant. He didn't say gifts. No. Oh. Gifts is for, it's just extra. So you can think of the workings. Yeah, they're kind of like gifts. But when you think of them like gifts, that's like, I'm going to give Eddie a gift. And now it's his. But these gifts are only gifts <laughs> are only manifest as the Holy Spirit wills. Right? Because otherwise, because if you have um, the working of miracles, like you see the working of miracles in the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Remember the angel would come and said, uh, stir the waters up and whoever got in first would be healed. 
And so that was not at someone, that was not at the word of the Lord. That was at the troubling of the water. When they saw something and they responded to it, they'd be healed. And then, you know, uh, the gift of working of miracles, when working of miracles is a manifestation, uh, there is uh, no faith required on the part of the receiver. So this, that's a different thing when you're talking about the working of miracles or gifts of healing or special faith. Uh, those are gifts of the Spirit, but they're still manifest as He will. So what, what, what's the manifestation? Well, if you're the Lord's endeavoring to flow through you in one of those gifts, then He's speaking to you and you respond and that's your act of faith. Do you understand? Anybody can be healed and set free and, and born again by faith. Their faith in God, but that is, uh, but uh, not anybody. Um, they, they won't be healed without it unless there is a, a manifestation of the working of what we call the gifts of the Spirit, and even then, they can resist it, and even then, uh, many times, uh, you'll see sometimes in Benny Hinn's meetings, uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation, and. Uh, when I was at Rama, um, Benny Hinn, to their credit, they they called up uh, Kenneth Hagen Ministries and said, "Hey, uh, can you give us some materials and help us figure out how to get people to keep their healing? Because what's happening is people are coming to the meetings and they're healed, and a month later they lose their healing. So obviously, if you're ministering to people, you're thrilled when they're they're changed like instantly like that, or you know." A lot of times it'll be within the hour or two hours, then the, 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 every symptom leaves their body. But you want them to have a, a lasting thing. Well, the Word is the only thing in the, in the long run that will give you lasting um, uh, prosperity. When I say prosperity, I don't mean money. I'm talking about prospering in your body, prospering in your mind, and prospering in your, in your you know, finances. Uh, but the Word, uh, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free or set you free. And so you have to know the truth. So um, it's it's um, we we are a hundred percent dependent upon the Lord. We we our tra our faith is in Him, our trust is in Him, our confidence in Him. Uh, you know, if the Lord doesn't give me something, I don't have anything to give. Uh, what, do you, what do you have that you did not first receive? Right? Paul talked about your boasting. You're saying, ah, da, da, da. Well, what do you have that you didn't receive? And, and then Paul said, you know, um, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. He said, I am crucified with Christ. It's, it's not about me. It's about Christ. So you're, you're totally dependent. I'm totally dependent upon the Lord to do something. I like Brother Higgins used to say, I couldn't... Uh, Heal a gnat's wing or a fly's eyeball. <laughs> Meaning, like, that seems like a little gnat's wing is so small, you know, uh, and insignificant. Uh, but in other words, uh, we're not the healer. Uh, we're the conduit. We'll connect you to the healer. We'll introduce you to the healer. We'll introduce your sickness to the healer, right? Uh, but um, we're not the one... Uh, that it originates from. We're just a yielded vessel that is believing God. And when you believe God, he can flow through you. Yes. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus said, you know, that's what he did. And he even said in a, let, let's just pick up here in John 15. 
And I'll read uh, verse 1 through 11 in the um, Passion Translation. Uh, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am a sprouting vine, this is verse 5, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you're powerless. If a man is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. Don't you like how that says that? You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. Because when you're born again, you have the love of God on the inside of you. But sometimes we don't allow that love to nourish our hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's command, for I continually live nourished and empowered by His love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Hallelujah. So we're to let the love of Christ nourish our own hearts. And, um, you know, uh, as a... Uh, God's a spirit, John uh, chapter 4 tells us, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For uh, the Father God seeks uh, such to worship him. And um, so God doesn't think the way you think unless you ha your mind has been transformed by the word of God or uh, transformed you know, it's like the same Greek root as uh, metamorphosis, but it's also the exact same word uh, that was used for the transfiguration. When Christ was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration, and uh, they saw him in his glory. Uh, that's the same word in Romans 12 too, that don't be conformed to this world, but be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Isn't that an awesome, vivid picture? Like, just like Christ shined in the true glory, we will shine in the true glory when our mind is transfigured. Be transfigured in your mind. Transformed in your mind. Uh, because, well, James even talks about it. Some people get confused, but James says, uh, the saving of your soul to believers. James is writing to believers in James chapter 1 there. 
But he says, uh, you know, uh, that your soul needs to be saved. Well, he's not talking about your spirit. He's talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so that, that James right there and then uh, uh, Romans chapter 12 are both talking about that your mind becomes transfigured. So what looks natural and was natural actually becomes supernatural when you start to think the thoughts of God. Because when you think those thoughts, when you, when you meditate on those and you receive those in your spirit, uh, you begin to get what? Uh, Paul calls understanding or a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. When that happens, your mind gets enlightened and that's the transformation of your mind. And it's, it's um, Brother Hagin used to say, this is the greatest need of the church is to have your mind transformed. The greatest need of any believer is to have your mind transformed. Why? If your mind is not transformed, your mind will stop the power and life and prosperity of God in your life. Because reason will say, oh, it doesn't make sense. Right? And so, you know, reason would say, um, uh, well, if it's God... And if God heals today, and if he says, if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover, then every person that you lay hands on would be healed. That's, that, that's, that's, that's the reason even from the world. Because what do they say? Well, if he heals today, why don't you go in the hospital and take care of all those people in the hospital? Right? Well, think of Jesus at the, we talked about at the pool of Bethesda with the lame man. There were people all around that pool. How do we know? Well, because he said, I'm too slow. <laughs> Every time the angel troubles the water, I try to get in and somebody gets in before me and they are healed. Yet Jesus himself healed only that man that time. But you know there were other sick people around that pool. Like, and probably uh, severely sick, uh, that probably lived around that pool, because who knows when the angel's going to come. And so uh, the natural mind would say, like, well, uh, that's why I don't like that they had the word gifts really in there in the King James uh, of the Spirit, because it's kind of like the natural mind is like, okay, well, here's a gift. You have this gift, so now you can use it anytime you want. Like, I'm going to give you a car, and if I give you the car, if I really give it to you, and there's no strings attached, that's how giving should really be done. Uh, you know, rabbit trails help you sometimes much anything else. It's not generosity just because you give a lot of uh, uh, expensive things or you give a lot of money. It is the condition of your heart. Because I could give you stuff, and I could attach a string to everything I give. I give everybody here a lot. Uh, someday I could do this, but <laughs> I don't have it in the account, but like $10,000 to every person here, right? <laughs> but I could be like, you know, holding that over you the whole rest of the time. You know, I want you to do something. Hey, you know, I know I, I did this for you, you know, like that. That's not generosity. And if I give you a car and say, oh, you only, you can only do this with it. Uh, that's not generosity. Uh, you know, God is the most generous. He gave us life 
And he said, you can do with it what you want. And he even said, but look, I'm giving you these instructions for life. Hi, how are you? I'm giving you, oh, no problem. I'm giving you these instructions for the most blessed life. And if you follow my instructions, you know, a lot of men don't like to follow instructions. And uh, uh, I've come to love instructions as long as they're written good. <laughs> I want to know how's it work, what's happened, you know. And so I've been with so many groups of people where, where uh, especially men, they won't read the instructions. And because we all know, like, we can do it, we can do it, we just, we just do it, you know. And then uh, so I'll start reading the instructions and I'll say, would you like to read the No, 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 no. We don't need to read the instructions. I can't figure out why it's not doing this. I said, maybe we should read the instructions because I'm reading right there what it says. <laughs> like, well, no, we can do it, we can do it. Until you just like bang your head against the wall so much you're like, maybe I'll look at the instructions. And so um, the Word of God is our instructions for life. And if we follow the Word of God, he will lead us right in the right path. Actually, uh, Psalm says the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So if we receive that word, we won't walk in darkness. Walking in darkness doesn't mean just walking at night or trying to get to this house at night, taking left and left and right and left and right and left and right. Right. Imagine if you didn't have headlights on your car and you're trying to see. Well, a lot of times in life, that's how, that's how we end up. And if your mind is not transformed or transfigured by the Word of God, then it's just natural human thinking. And you, you, you've capped what God can do. No problem. Because God wants to do um, miracles through every one of us. Uh, he wants our scenery to change. He wants those around us to be lifted up and uh, encouraged and helped. And, uh, you know, the biggest lie of the devil is like the Lord's trying to like limit you and he wants to hold you back. And he wants to uh, know uh, if you ever notice sometimes people that struggle with um, if they have real struggles with pride or different issues, they push all of the things off. They project. The world calls it projection. So yeah, you're just projecting. <laughs> You know, like, you know, um, you know, uh, you think I'm this or you think I'm that. And, da, 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 and you're like, I didn't think I was just thinking like, wow, you look nice today. <laughs> you know, well, that person is feeling like, you know, you think I'm self-centered because they're like just thinking about themselves and they're going to push it off on you, Caliche. Right. <laughs> they say, Caliche, it's your fault. But really, they're just projecting. Well, the devil is one of the biggest projectors. And so. You know, he's not uh, satisfied until everyone else is as dissatisfied as he is. And you see that in um, uh, corporate life, in any, any type of uh, a labor, job, you know, that you, somebody comes and they're upset and distracted and, you know, like that's the worst boss. You know, he just never gives us a raise. He's always, he's so self-centered. He's never at the shop. You know, he's, he's never, you know, there. He's always leaving early. He's doing all this, you know. And... Um, you know, and then you're, you were just sitting there working and you're thinking like, man, I, I really appreciate the boss and, you know, they're doing a good job and everything. And all of a sudden the other person starts talking and you start to think about what they're saying. And you're like, that's right. I am here and I have to drive through rush hour and he is gone. She is gone. 
And she's just thinking about herself. And she's this, and before you know it, that thought that one person was yielding really to the enemy with, you begin yielding to that same thought. And you got the same stinking thinking. And like I like to say, like the Limburger cheese where the guy's in his uh, kitchen, cuts some Limburger cheese, he has a mustache and he eats it, and he goes out in the living room and he's like, oh, it stinks in here. <laughs> and uh, so he goes uh, back to the kitchen, he smells it, it stinks in here. And he goes to his bedroom and he's like, oh, it stinks in here. So finally he goes outside and he goes, oh, finally, fresh air. Oh, the whole world stinks. But the problem was the cheese on his mustache. So wherever he went, it stunk. And so when your mind uh, doesn't have the privilege to be changed by what God says about a situation or by what God says about life, uh, your mind is going to default to what your senses have told you or to what other people in the world have told you. Uh, well-meaning people, sometimes Christian people that are religious but don't really have a relationship. Right? So religion says, well, uh, if it's the will of God, religion would pray for Eddie to be healed if it's the will of God. (laughs) Right? Well, we already know the will of God concerning health and healing and salvation and deliverance. And the will of God hasn't done anything uh, tangibly today about healing Eddie if Eddie needed to be healed. The way Eddie is healed today if he needs healing is that he acts in faith. And faith is what God responds to. Because faith is based on what God has said. And God has said in 1 Peter 2.24 that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Faith, uh, um, the word has said in Matthew 8:17 that himself, speaking of Christ, uh, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. L- literally, it says that he lifted them off of us. So, so much so is it the will of God that we are healed that he already did it. Yeah. And somebody said, well, if he already healed us, then why does, does any believer that has received Christ, why does any believer have any sickness in their body? Because you can have faith in one area and not in another. Because faith is the hand that receives from God. Faith gets what God has already done and promised and what he has and who he is. Faith faith will grab it. And so it's the will of God. Uh, This is why I love if you ever are struggling with, uh, you know, healing, prosperity, deliverance, uh, any of these things, and you're a believer, well, you go back to when you received Christ in your heart. Uh, I was with a guy, I went to, when I was in Bible school, I worked uh, um, at an IT company and, uh, for the airlines. And um, so I had another guy that was there, and he was from the no- same denomination that I had come out of going to Bible school. And um, he wasn't going to the Bible school, but he was working at the company there. And um, we were going to have a healing service that night at church. And so he said to me, he said, uh, he said, you guys having a healing service tonight? And I said, I said, yeah. And he said, <laughs> he said, that's pretty funny that you can just tell God when he's going to do a miracle. You, you guys kind of like, we had a good relationship, but he was, he was picking on me. He's like, you guys just think you can tell God when he's going to do a miracle. Well, you know, the Bible says, actually, you don't have to know what to say in those times. You just look to the Holy Spirit. So 
I just looked to the Holy Spirit, on, you know, subconsciously. I'm like, Lord, what, in the, what am I going to, what is that? And just kind of coming out before I, I kind of realized what I was saying, I said, well, I said, don't, don't you believe that salvation is a bigger miracle than healing? And he said, well, yes, of course it is. That's the biggest miracle. And I said, oh, I said, so do you believe that you could just go have a, a service tonight and invite people to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, and you're just going to make God do that miracle? And he said, oh, I never thought of it that way. And um, so, uh, you know, he was at least honest. You know, he's like, oh, I just never thought of that. And so I, I always go back to salvation because really uh, the curse was taken off of mankind when Jesus redeemed us and he redeemed us spirit, soul, and body. And just because people don't know uh, some of the other parts they might just receive the spiritual redemption or where you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. But everything actually happened there. Like, like when, when Jesus died on the cross, he freely gave up his life. But you know, before he died on the cross, he was whipped. Why was he whipped? He could, couldn't he just have died? Why couldn't he just go on the cross and die? Why, why did he have to be whipped? For our healing, by, his, by whose stripes you were healed. He was bruised, Isaiah 53, man, such a vivid picture, you know, that uh, he was bruised and, you know, uh, chast the chastisement of our peace was on him and by his stripes we are healed. And um, so the whole redemptive process, everything that we have in God and get from him all originates by the blood of Jesus. And so if you ever struggle with it, just go back. Like, how did I receive Christ? Uh, I was talking to somebody this past weekend about, you know, they're uh, talking about hearing from the Lord. And I said, well, do you know that you're born again? And they said, yes. And I said, well, do you have the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? Like, do you know, like Romans 8 says that his spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And they said, well, yes. And I said, okay, you go to that place and you start from there. And I said, that place is the peace that passes all understanding. And you become conscious of that peace on the inside of you. Because what happens is sometimes we try to come from the outside and we want reason to, to um, we want to be able to reason it out, figure it out through reason. Well, uh, faith is believing God, it's trusting God. And faith is also turning away from human reasoning. It's turning away from uh, anxiety and worry and being stressed out about it. And like, okay, I got to, so I'm going to like uh, this situation. I got to have an answer now. This has to happen now. What am I going to do now? Well, if you don't get rid of that, what am I going to do now by turning to the Lord? Uh, you're not acting in faith. You can say words that sound like faith words that are written in the Bible. But if you don't release that, uh, you know, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you, Philippians chapter 4 and First uh, Peter, then that you're not acting in faith because you're worried about it. So you're trying to take care of it. And um, uh, he's, the Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. The Bible doesn't say that he watches over your worries to get you out of them. 
But it says that he cares about you uh, affectionately and for you watchfully. In other words, he, he knows exactly what you're going through. And if you, from your spirit, look to the Lord, he'll give you the word, which is substance. Because uh, now, faith, now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you have a hope for deliverance from this situation. Or you have a hope to not be like totally destroyed in this situation, right? Maybe you have a hope to be more than a conqueror. But it's just a hope until you act. And really, until you hear from God. Somebody said, well, I, I know that it says we are more than conquerors through him. Well, I know you know that, but I want to know where do you know that? Do you know that here or do you know that in your heart? Is it, is it real to you? So if it's real, then there's substance to it. And what's that substance? Well, that substance is tangible enough that you say, uh, you know, I cannot explain it. But I know that I am more than a conqueror, and I know that I'm not going down. Not because um, I've seen myself do this before. Not because people told me, like, I'm good at this. I know because there is a witness on the inside of me. That word is alive inside me, that I am more than a conqueror. That word has life in it, and you're conscious of it in your spirit. Your, your head might be like, oh, what? What? Right? You can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head. Like your head's like, I don't know, how's it going to work? You know, I mean, when I started learning to have faith for finances, I remember that. My head would be like, oh, you know, because my head was like, one plus one always equals two. <laughs> and if you have one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one ten times, and you take one of those ones and you give it away, you have nine ones. My head knew that. But my spirit, it's funny, even as I say that now, my spirit kind of like rejoices. My spirit's like, prove me. You just put it out there and watch. That's my spirit. Well, my head's like, no, ten and you take one away, you have nine left. But when you, when you act in faith and you watch, well, then what? Well, you're not like tithing and saying, okay, Lord, now, you know, in the next 10 minutes, I expect increase. Same thing with healing. You're not like, okay, Lord, uh, you know, hands just laid on me. In the next 10 minutes, I expect everything to be completely normal. If you're acting in faith, you have received it already in your heart. And you know that the scenery is changing and has to change. But you're not really concerned or worried or stressed. Or, In other words, uh, faith is in the unseen, not in the seen. Hope is like, I want to see it. I'll believe it when I see it. But faith believes it before it sees it. Remember, like um, Thomas, what did he say? Yeah, he said something stronger than that. Remember, the, the, they said, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. 
He said, yeah, exactly. He said, I will not believe. Don't ever, concerning the word of God, don't ever put, set the, those railroad tracks down. That I will not believe unless I see and feel, he said. I want two senses for confirmation. <laughs> Do you notice that the Bible said in the mouth, the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. It did not say in the, in the reception of two or three senses, everything shall be established. But in the mouth, in other words, words, shall everything be established. So Thomas you know, uh, Jesus shows up in the room where they're all uh, eating. I think they were eating. And uh, he didn't open the door and come in. He came through the wall. He appeared in the midst of them, the Bible says. He just showed up. And, uh, you know, Jesus wasn't physically there when Thomas said, I will not believe unless I see and feel. But Jesus knew what he said. And he said, come here. Handle me. Touch me. Put your hand in my side where the sword went. Right? And he said, oh, now I believe. And Jesus said, blessed. He didn't say blessed are you, Thomas. He said, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. So if you act in faith, you're blessed. That the blessing is in the act of faith. And so faith is in the unseen. So if you're waiting, like somebody lay hands on you, like I was saying, and now you're, you're as soon as you see your body change or feel your body change, then you'll know you have it. You're not acting in faith. And that is not a condemnation. That is you locate yourself because faith receives from God. So it means like, oh man, I'm not in faith. I don't want anybody to know I'm not in faith. Well, maybe it'd help you if people knew you weren't in faith because uh, kind of faking it around it is, is, uh, is horrible. It's a lie. It's deception. But when you realize, whenever I've realized like, oh, I've just been hoping, like I'm actually waiting to feel it and then I'll believe it. Or I'm waiting to see the money in the account and then I'll believe it. Uh, well, as soon as you realize that, you just be like, <laughs> I like to laugh. It's like, oh, that's so funny. You know, I'm going to believe God. I believe God. Why? We're not the ones that do it anyhow. If you get to be the one that does it, that's also not faith. You're not acting in faith. So it's not, in other words, when you realize, oh, I'm just hoping. I think I'm just hoping. I've just been hoping. No wonder. That should be, you should shout and rejoice. You know, this Kenneth Hagin went to minister at this church and he said, man, he's like, I hope the Lord never sent me back to another church like that. <laughs> he said, you know, like uh, it was a church. If they believe in faith and healing, these type of things. And he said, when that, I went to that church, he said, man, he said, I think it was four months before, three months before the pastor's wife had died of cancer. He said, man, he said, you go. And he's like, her death is in the air. You know, everything, everybody's pastor's wife died, pastor's wife died, pastor's wife died. You know, that's, that's the thinking everything. He's like, you're supposed to go <laughs> minister faith and healing, right? So I think he was there for two weeks, maybe three weeks. And, um, you know, it, it, you go in a place like that and, you know, people are like, who are you? What are you saying? What are you doing? You know, he said, you know, 
he just taught faith uh, as the Lord led him. He said after the two or three weeks, the pastor came to him and said, thank you so much. He said, actually, he said when he was ministering, he saw the moment when that lifted off of him and lifted off the congregation. He said, the day she died, we were together, of course, and we were uh, praying about it and talking to the Lord. And he said, I see we were just hoping we weren't believing, but I thought we were believing. We thought we were believing. And so what? Well, man, it's great if you find out you were hoping before uh, somebody passes away because you can change that hope into faith. It's not that difficult, but it's very difficult if you don't, you know, we started this uh, a couple weeks ago. If you don't come humbly, openly, and honestly, uh, th those are to me the greatest keys to connecting with the Lord, greatest keys in prayer. And um, humility, uh, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And humility will, will say, humility rejoices in coming under. So humility is like, oh, no, I wasn't actually acting in faith. I was just hoping. But when you see it, and you see it with your heart, it's actually exciting because you realize why you haven't received because faith always receives. How do you know if somebody's acting in faith? They have result after result after result after result because what they believe comes to pass. So, so it's actually not um, disappointing to find out that you were hoping. To me, it's exciting. Because you found out you were not believing, you were hoping. So now you can believe. Does that, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because otherwise you're just sitting there hoping and you're like, okay, maybe tomorrow that check will show up in the mail and then I'll, you know, then I'll, then I'll know it. No, I love A.B. Simpson's testimony. You know, he studied the word only for two weeks. He took two weeks off. Because he was so sick, he couldn't hardly minister anymore. And uh, so he studied for two weeks, and he's like, oh, I saw in my spirit that healing was as much a part of redemption as salvation of my spirit. And he's, so much, he wrote it down. He's like, I receive this day Jesus as my healer, as I have receiving, received him as my Lord before. And I now take him and I take health and healing in my body. And then he wrote in his journal, he said, when I wrote that, he said, I don't know if I felt any better or not in my body. I know I didn't care because I know he had it. In other words, I, I knew I made that connection with God and that there is so much substance there. So there is substance to your faith. So if you're wondering, am I in faith about it? You're not. Okay. Am I trusting? If you're wondering, am I trusting God? You're not. Now I'll add this caveat to it. You are a three part being. And if you're looking to your mind to confirm that you are acting in faith if your mind has not been renewed with the Word of God, uh, you may not have very much up there, <laughs> not trying to be funny, but you may not have very much up there that are the thoughts of God. So you can have doubt in your head and faith in your heart. What's faith in your heart and doubt in your head? Well, faith in your heart and doubt in your head is where your mind has not been transformed or transfigured by the Word of God. And so what you say is you're like, uh, 
I don't know. I refuse to think on that because in my spirit, I know this is true. I can't explain it. I can't put the words to it. I can't tell you like the, the, you know, 50 scriptures that tell about it. I just know in my spirit, there's like something like, um, electricity, uh, of that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. I was, I know I was right. But your head, that might be the only scripture that your head kind of has light on. So, so, so that's the caveat I just added. But if you're conscious of these things, like as we're talking about it now, then you can look at the times when you've acted in faith and you know it was faith. Like you actually know there is substance to faith. It's touchable in the spirit. And that's more real than touching this coffee table. Oops. In the natural. Don't, don't break the glass. Right? So I see it and my senses um, and in my experience of my senses in life tell me that probably this could hold me. I'm not going to get on. Don't worry. <laughs> that probably this could hold me. Same thing with this chair. Like, so I have natural human faith about this chair that when I sit on this chair, that it's going to sustain me and it's going to hold me up. Well, humans are imperfect. So sometimes you, you sit on a chair. Who, somebody came to our house. Was it Keith? Keith, who, who first came out to help us with the church. Uh, he came to our house when we were gone or something and uh, sat on one of our chairs. And man, that thing gave way. <laughs> so he went to the floor. Well, God's word is perfect. And it is flawless. It has been tested. It has been tried. And it's been found to be pure, David said, Psalm 119. And there is no end to its perfection. David said, I have found an end to the perfection of all things, but there is no end to the perfection of thy word. So, uh, um, Keith found an end to the perfection of chairs. Right? And poof! Gave way. But there is, there is spiritual substance it's real. You know it. Like you, you know, when I, last year, year before, I had a, a really, um, a really um, uh, trying, testing time with finances and faith for finances. And um, uh, I was like, you know, I'd seen so many times how the Lord would bless me is that um, I would pray and man, he'd give me opportunity for an excellent job position and, you know, uh, paid very well. I mean, I was a, I was a um, well-to-do Rhema student, which was not common. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, whoa, you know, they go get paid $10 an hour. I started at like 30 bucks an hour or something like that. I don't know. Anyhow, um, and for Oklahoma, that's pretty good money. At least it was back then. And so, um, so the Lord always done that. So uh, I'm out here and I'm like, you know, I think I need to go get a, a job. And so, of course, I pray about it. And, and the witness in my spirit, the Lord's like, no, you need to focus your time in prayer and in the word. And uh, I said, well, um, so, so reason comes in. So I said, well, you know, I have four children. And uh, we homeschooled the children. I'm telling the Lord about it. Right. And, uh, you know, that computer that we have is so old, it goes click, 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 when you try to use it. And, uh, you know, uh, my kids need to be able to access all of this stuff. 
And so I said, well, I said, I get a job. And this went on for like two or three months, you know, uh, really intense for two months. And so I'm praying every day about this, you know, when I go to pray, because I'm doing what the Lord said. But while I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, I've seen people that are just ignorant and they're like, the Lord's going to provide. And, you know, the Lord's given them this job offer, that job offer, and, and they know they're supposed to do it. They just don't want to do it. Right. For whatever reason. Not because they're lazy, maybe because they just, no, I just want to do it by faith. Well, you cannot do it by faith if God didn't tell you to do it by faith like that, right? You know, he has to speak to you about it. So uh, I've been around it enough and see people make enough mistakes that I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, I just want to make sure because I know you don't miss it, but I know I can miss it. So a friend of mine called me up and he said, you know, uh, or I was talking with him and he said, uh, you know, I'll, uh, if you want, you can come work for my company. Uh, we'll pay you probably about $90,000 a year. You can work from home, but you'll have to travel about uh, 20% of the time and most of the time in the middle of the week. And uh, I thought, oh, that, that would be nice, you know, the finances. And so I talked to the Lord about it. And the Lord spoke to my spirit, and he spoke this scripture. He said, uh, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. He said, you can take that job if you want, but it will add sorrow to you. He said, if you do it my way, I'll make you rich and I'll add no sorrow with it. And I said, okay, I'll check with you again tomorrow. <laughs> so I kept, uh, I kept going. And, but then, then I started to get like um, excited about it. And I'm like, okay. Cause every time I would check and I'm like, you know what? Uh, if we, if we lose the house and we lose the vehicles and we lose everything, I'm still acting on what you said. I know exactly what you said. Well, I mean, within, uh, I don't know, a couple months after that, and then things started to turn around better and better and better and better. And we haven't gone back since. And, uh, you know, then I was asking the Lord about it because that experience, I was telling somebody about this a couple weeks ago. What happened in that experience of faith is worth more to me than if you gave me a million dollars today. Because James, James actually said in James chapter one, let's turn over there real quick. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or literally tests and trials. So he's saying, he's not saying it is joy, but he's saying, count it all joy. Uh, sometimes one translation says, count it maximum joy. That's Jeremy Leo's license plate. <laughs> When you fall into tests and trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. You know what the Greek word for patience right there is? Uh, but let patience have her perfect work. That is the Greek word hupomone. And that Greek word hupomone means when there is a storm like a test or a trial. Literally, it's like if this massive storm is coming and it's blowing and wind and rain are in your face. You turn around away from it. Hoopamone means you turn and you face the storm head on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And it is that holding power, that staying power, that no matter what, I am strengthened for this task and I am more than an overcomer, right? So knowing that the, that your fa- the testing of your faith works hoopamone, but let hoopamone have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And so that's what happened to me financially. I became perfect and entire wanting nothing. In other words, ah, wholly dependent on the Lord. I'm like, if you don't provide it, it's not happening. So if you would ask me before that, like, of course, I always believe you can grow. I mean, you can grow way more than what you realize you can grow. In fact, you're not growing until you realize that you need to grow. I don't remember the scripture in the New Testament, but it says actually, as soon as you realize that you don't know much about something, that is the beginning of knowledge about that. And so, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Perfect literally means uh, perfect to a given end, or you become developed or mature and entire wanting nothing. So uh, that's what faith does. The reason I said that is because I wanted to give you a personal description of faith. So that like A.B. Simpson said, I don't know if I, I don't know if my, he had a heart problem. I don't know if my heart's any different or not. I know I have received it. I know he has it. I know it's taken care of, right? There was substance to that. So when I stood in faith for finance, there was such substance. Did I see anything different in our account or the church account? No. In fact, when I started doing this, I saw a difference in the accounts. And they went backwards. (laughs) Why? The devil got... Okay, uh... If you went on reading here, it says, let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. God is not the one that tempts. God's not the one testing you. The trials and tests, they come from the enemy to try and knock you off of what you believe or see if what you actually believe is real. Let no man say when he's tested, he's tested of God or tempted, he's tempted of God. That's not God tempting you or testing you. That's the enemy. Jesus told us in the parable of the sower, when the sower sows the word, what happens? The enemy comes right in. When you get to steal it, when you get a revelation or you get light and an understanding on something from God, whether you're, you're, you're in, in a setting like this, in a church service, listening to something, reading the word, praying, and you get light, you better watch out. That doesn't mean like, oh, I'm scared. Don't be scared, but be aware. Don't be unaware. Paul said, live circumspectly. That means inspecting everything in a circle around you. Like like you're going um, uh, someplace uh, that you shouldn't be going in Washington, D.C. at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, You're going to go there circumspectly if you have some wisdom. And if you're walking out there, you want to pay attention. Well, as soon as that word is sown, 
Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As soon as that light comes, the devil wants to see, are you, is that faith a dead faith? Or is that a real faith? Faith without works is dead, being alone. Are you going to act on what you believe, what you've just heard? Because when you act, man, there's the power of God. God will confirm it. He he has to. He doesn't have a choice because he declared it so that I watch over my word to perform it. What's the, um, what was that? Um, oh, Ephesians. I think it's, yeah, right in Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians 6 real quick. I'm going to start with Ephesians 6, 16. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. Oh, this is Passion Translation. For it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. In every battle, take faith as your shield, your wraparound shield. What happens? Well, uh, you, you, the enemy starts to come. And what does he do? He comes with fiery darts at your mind. He's trying, to, he's trying to get a foothold in your mind. God speaks to your spirit. The enemy speaks to your mind. And so you extinguish those blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies and take the mighty razor sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. That is of the rhema of God, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the spoken word of God or hearing by the rhema of God, or that's the word that God speaks to you through your spirit that you see it. Like you're like, Oh, I see that. It's not, it's not here. Only it's here. Really what happens is it's here first and then here uh, comes in agreement with that is transfigured or transformed uh, by that. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all believers and pray also that God's revelation would be released through me Every time I preach the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. Yes, pray that I preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity. Even though I am chained as a prisoner, I am his ambassador. <laughs> so, so the devil's going to like, he's going to come at you. Why? He doesn't want to lose ground. He's already lost you. You're in the kingdom. But if he can get you to believe a lie that, you know, well, sure, God wants to, you're, you'll go to heaven, all right. But it's not God's will that you live healthy. It's not God's will that you have enough money. In fact, to be humble, you have to have no money and be sick. Right? That's a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, you think how, how man's natural mind is so warped. That they would be like, well, God is so good that he wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. But 
He doesn't want you to be healthy now. That's only later. He doesn't want you to be provided for now. That's only later. That is, so what religion does and, uh, and, and really um, atheism and things that even outside the church is they try to explain through human reasoning why there are no results. Because if God loves people, why do bad things happen to people? If God loves people, why does he allow hurricane, why the fires and why does he allow the fires in California? Uh, if God loves people, why does he allow abortion? If God loves people, why does he allow all this stuff? It must be the will of God. No, just because something is the will of God does not mean that it happens. Because his will is that everyone come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. His will is that we prosper and be in health even as our spirit prospers. That is the will of God. But you access the will of God through faith. And you access faith by hearing God speak. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema of God. So how do you hear God speak? Well, if you want to hear God speak more, you read more of his word or listen to more of his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the spoken word of God. The spoken word of God means by God speaking it. You understand there's like the logos, which is the written word. And then there is the rhema, which is the living word, the spoken word, the word that's alive, the word that's working in you. It's, there's substance to the rhema word. The logos word is what God has said and it is written down. But if you have the Logos without the Holy Spirit bringing you the rhema, it's just a, it's just a bunch of pages. Mm -hmm. So you can become a theologian that has no faith. And your life's work is to study this Bible. But if you study it without the Holy Spirit, uh, there's no life there. It's just like this happened, that happened. And you may even know, okay, God said that. But you know, when Jesus spoke in his own hometown, they were amazed at the things that he said. But they were amazed that this young man from Nazareth, who they saw grew up, they knew his family. How could they, they, they stumbled or were offended, the Bible says, at how could he be doing that? In other words, they're like, he can't be doing that. I heard he's doing it, but he can't be doing that, right? Get the emphasis on the right syllable. He cannot be doing that. So you, you look in the New Testament. When they refer to that's Jesus of Nazareth, you don't see many mighty works. But when they refer to that as Jesus Christ, you see the power of God. It says Jesus Christ actually is not his last name. <laughs> it means that is Jesus, the anointed one of God. So in other words, that would be like saying that. Did you hear what Jessica, the one that God anointed, how God worked through her the other day? Right. That's like Jesus. Or, you know, Jessica. Where are you from? Pen, pen, let's just say Gettysburg. 
Do you know Jessica from Gettysburg? Really? From the hill country of Pennsylvania? The hick country of Pennsylvania? Jessica? I heard she did that. Right. She did that. Right? I'm offended at her. Uh, so we say uh, Jesus Christ, but they're like, Jesus, the one that God has anointed. anointed. Anointed actually means rubbed on and smeared all over, like saturated in. He was anointed with how, how Jesus of Nazareth, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Praise the Lord. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Jesus said, you'll ask whatever you want and it will be done. Well, when his words abide in you, that's like faith living in you. You let his words live on the inside of you. They find their home in you. Like what? Well, because he sent his word. And when he sent his word, it brought healing and deliverance. So when he sends his word to you or to me, then that word can like come right through me in and out or that word can find a home. And when that word finds residency, well, I, I like that how Pastor Mark says, like when the Holy Spirit comes to move in, you know, you got to get your stuff out <laughs> and he's going to bring a lot of stuff. You got trucks lined up for miles and miles and miles. All the stuff he comes, he, he brings when he comes. He's like, uh, Naveen, uh, you're going to have to get rid of this couch and this coffee table. and Really, just get all the stuff out so I can bring my stuff in. Well, the, the entrance of his words, it gives light. When we receive his words and let them live on the inside of us, then your, his desires are your desires. Like what he wants is what you want. I mean, look at, look at, uh, what's the guy's name? Kane West. Is that his name? Kane? Kanye. Kanye West. See? Don't know his name. <laughs> Kanye West. Right? That guy, my wife showed me this video of him uh, yesterday. You know, he's on this airplane with this, like, gospel choir, singing all this stuff, you know? And this guy that does the car, carpool karaoke or whatever that, you know, who that guy? Yeah. I'm going to show my ignorance of this stuff. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I've seen the stuff sometimes, like, so that guy is like, really, what, like, what's, you know, everybody's in the world's trying to figure out, is this guy legit? Like, and some Christians are trying to figure out, is this guy legit? You know, like, he's like, I'm not doing any more worldly songs. It's all gospel stuff. He goes, he has a crusade. You know what we would call a crusade? So he had like a gospel choir get up. So th this guy was addicted to porn. This guy was singing some of the worst stuff you could find. He was, he was just like as uh, worldly as you can almost get. And then, um, you know, the Lord, uh, he received the Lord and he really changed. And so uh, he has this, it's this first event, you know, where he's going to sing this one song. And so he has this gospel choir get up and they sing. Then he has a minister get up and gives the gospel message for salvation. All these people accept the Lord. Then he gets up and he sings and uh, uh, they, they did this, this uh you know, they prayed, but they didn't give an invitation for everybody to come forward. And then at the end, he gets up and he gives like this inv invitation, uh, has people confess Jesus as Lord, all this type of stuff, whatever. Like it's like a, 
like what we would call a, a ministry meeting. Yeah. And so he's like, this is, this is who I am now. Don't expect me to change. Jesus changed me. He said, and I, some, somebody, uh, the, the guy on the, the karaoke guy, uh, I think confronted him and said, well, you know, what, what, what do you say to people that say like, you're just crazy and like, what are you doing and everything like that? And he said, well, he said, I would say, um, that they're saying this is just a, a phase or a different whatever. And he said, well, are you, um, have you ever slept before? He said, yeah. He said, well, are you in a different state when you're asleep? He said, yeah. Different consciousness? He said, yeah. And he said, when you're awake, are you different consciousness from that? He said, yeah. He said, it's like I was asleep and now I have awakened. Jesus woke me up and now I see. You know, he's just like, he's just preaching the gospel. He's a baby Christian, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but preaching the gospel. But when that word comes and that word came to him and he received it, the entrance of his words gives light and brings understanding. And so now things that were foreign to him, you know, it's not foreign. And not ever the old stuff, not all the old stuff's done, but he's like, you know, uh, a, a lot of it, he's like, oh no, I didn't realize that the damage of pornography, he's like, he's like, that's not me anymore. That's done. That's not this, you know. And they said, uh, the guy, carpool put karaoke guy, anybody know his name? Anyhow, whoever that guy is. James Corden. James Corden. So James Corden's asking him, whatever, like, what, what do you do at night? He said, well, what do we do is I go home and I spend time with my family. He said, we eat dinner together and then we go to bed. And James is like, that's what you do? You go to bed? He's like, well, yeah, I go in bed. He's like, well, what do you do there? And I, th I thought, oh boy, don't ask that question. And, and, so, and so he said, well, he said, I lay in bed and my wife watches Dateline. And James said, and what do you do? He said, I read the Bible. I love to read the Bible every night. Well, if he keeps feeding on that word, his mind just would be completely changed. He keeps yielding to the Spirit. Well, any of us like that. The entrance of his word gives light and brings understanding to the simple, actually says in Psalms. Well, the simple... That doesn't mean like uh, you just, you're simple-minded. Uh, you, you don't have a very good intellect. No, that means people that aren't too complicated. You don't complicate it up. Don't, well, what about this? And what about that? And how come this? And how come that? And da 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 da, -da. Sometimes, uh, I think we mentioned it uh, uh, the other week, sometimes I'm with people like that, and if I'm there to minister to them and they want to minister to, I'm like, shh, stop. 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 They're like, what? They're like, but, but I'm like, no, stop. <laughs> Why? Because I see they're going down the wrong path and they'll never receive from God that way. Because mm -hmm. it's thought after thought after thought, reason after reason after reason after. And some of them are good reasons. <laughs> but it's not simple minded. It's all complicated. It's like da 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 da. No, it, it, it brings understanding to the simple. Jesus said, we're to have faith like a little child. He said, don't, don't forbid the little children coming to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And if you don't come to me as a little child, you're not going to come to me. So, uh, you know, like I like to say, it's great to have a, a, a great intellect, but you seek first the kingdom of God and put that intellect under the mighty hand of God. 
Because then you'll think like you've never thought. You'll have wisdom like you've never had. There, there are discoveries that have not been discovered. And some of those things will never be discovered until someone gets simple enough that they listen to the Lord. It's amazing what He'll show you, what He'll open up to you. But you have to act in faith. So you act in faith step by step. I, I've learned He'll lead you each step of the way. Normally what we want is, like George Muller uh, had an orphanage of 2,000 uh, young people over in England. And he said, right before he passed away in his autobiography, he said, it's now as easy for me to believe God for a million dollars as it was at the beginning to believe God for a dollar. Well, that was in the 1800s. Do you know a dollar in British money converted to uh, American dollar uh, now, uh, comparatively, I think I figured it up one day, it'd be like uh, about 15 or $20. So you're talking a million dollars, it's like 15 or 20 million. He said, it's easy for me to believe God for 15 or 20 million as it is $10. So uh, people hear testimonies like that and they say, I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to believe God for $10 million. <laughs> but how are you going to believe God? He's going to speak to you. So you go home and if he speaks to you about $10 million, then go ahead. But I'll bet he speaks to you. If you haven't ever believed God for $1,000, he might speak to you about believing God for 1000 or 500 or 10 you know, And then you, you believe God for that. And then you say, okay, Lord, I've seen you do that. I'm going to believe you for this. I'm going to believe you for this. And you'll watch, you'll have exceedingly growing faith. Praise the Lord. All right. Comments? Questions? Praise the Lord. I need a mint. So that's the thing with uh, praying for people is, you know, I was going to say something that I don't actually believe. <laughs> I endeavor to live just yielded to the Lord all the time. What I was going to say is, you know, you kind of wish uh, you had like... Um, working of miracles, gifts of healing, special faith, whatever, that were your gift, and everybody you prayed for was healed. But that would do such a disservice to people. You understand? Because God wants everyone to live by faith. You realize if I did that, I'm, and I did it by faith, which I couldn't because it's not in the Word like that, but anyhow, if I could do it by faith, then God would be pleased with me, but not with them. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I'm acting in faith, and they're not pleasing God. So many times, um, people are not in a position to receive, and if they did receive, God would be violating His own word. So the natural mind says no. Why? Because the natural mind says it's the will of God, and God loves people. I know how much God loves people. So He would just heal them. Yet they're living in unforgiveness.
what are you going to do with the scripture of the man that was um, sleeping with his father's wife? And they're like, what should we do? What should we do? Paul said, turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Why? That his spirit may be saved in the day of judgment. So if you had working of miracles that you could just do at your will and you're like, I don't, that's bad for that guy. I'm going to go heal him. You see what I'm saying right now? I'm going to go heal him. So first of all, it's not an act of faith. I'm doing it at my own unction, right? Apart from the Lord. Uh, so how could you operate that? Because you're operating it outside of faith. But even if you could operate that, then the scripture says if that man is, his flesh is not destroyed, that his spirit will be lost in the day of judgment. So you helped him for the fleeting mist of earth but you damned him to hell. So I'm not trying to be too strong, but what I'm saying is that we live by faith and, you know, it's good for people to receive from God by faith. It is healthy for them because the next world, you have to live by faith just like you have to live by faith in this world if you're going to receive from God. Faith, a hope, and love, these remain. Faith, hope, and love. So faith, hope, and love are going to be with you for all eternity. Faith, hope, and love. So for all eternity, we get to act on what God says. When we act on what God says, His power is present. Mix our faith with it, and it'll profit you. It'll bring a profit. Not a profit, but a profit. Prophet. Okay, I commented on the own, my own thing, so what the Lord gave me there. Anybody, anybody else? <laughs>